This is CliffCentral.com. Because we didn't get to speak to Anthea yesterday, we're going to speak to her today in the money shot. So you oh, ready to go good. for that quickly? Yes. All right, let's check in with Anthea. I'm not going to play her music because she's on Skype. She's not here to enjoy it herself. Hey, Anthea, how are you doing? Good morning, Gareth. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good. Where in the country are you? I'm in Cape Town. Oh. So, a little um, bit of Easter weekend. Nice. Are you, are you down there just for fun or are you there for work as well? Uh, for both. And I did a half, the Two Oceans Half Marathon on Saturday. I saw the pictures. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. It was really fun, actually. Surprise. How did you do? Um, I did okay. I'm, I'm getting old and slow, it feels like, but <laughs> I, I finished in decent time, so I'm fine. All right. Just a few things I wanted to catch up with you on today. Um, there are, there are lots of talks around Maria Ramos and she's heading up the ESCOM unbundling project. Now, what do you think of that? Yes, I saw that and I, and I saw all the comments on Twitter about it and she doesn't seem to be like everything on Twitter seems to be negative, but I think she's the perfect person for it. Actually, you know, she used to be director general of national treasury. She ran Transnet. Um, and I think the criticisms come from, Oh, I'm not sure, actually, <laughs> because a lot of people are saying, well, she sold off Transnet's assets for too cheaply. But I think we all know that assets are only worth what someone will pay for it. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong when a company's in, in, in dire straits or it needs cash flow. There's nothing wrong with selling off non-core assets, which basically she did. She sold off their stake in SAA. And by the way, doesn't that look good now? She sold off their stake in MTN. Mm-hmm. And then the one that everyone's worried about is that she sold off tw- their 26% stake in the Victoria and Alfred Waterfront, um, which is the property development company, the VNA in Cape Town. Right. Um, which obviously, well, I can't say obviously, but they say she sold it off for too cheaply. And so she should have waited, held out for more money. But so actually, do you think, do you think having- this, is, this is all unfair criticism of her? I do think so. So, you know, I don't think she's the best. She was the best banking CEO I've ever seen. But I can almost imagine Maria Rama sitting at a desk, looking over her glasses and kind of contemplating the political and socioeconomic framework that she has for ESCOM to work in. Because I think that's what she does well. I, I don't think she's a Michael Jordan and a bank zero innovative, let's go and get out there and do stuff. So at ABSA, maybe she's... She was kind of, she was okay, right? Yeah. Um, but I do think with the state-owned enterprises, she understands the, the policy framework she has to work in. So I think it's a great appointment, actually. Yeah, there's a bit of a bureaucrat in her, but she's also quite effective in the right machinery. So maybe this is the right home for her. Of course, this ESCOM unbundling is itself very controversial because the unions are dead against it. There are lots of people in the private sector who think, well, it's a bit suspicious and may involve some some dealings with like Patrice and, and Jeff Radebe's too important and powerful in all of this. And people are saying, well, there might be some nefarious activity going on. I don't know if that's got any impact on Maria Ramos and her appointment. In fact, she's probably one oh. of the more trustworthy people to handle something like this. So it is above board, don't you think? I think that it absolutely has got something to do with the negativity around Maria's appointment because South Africans generally, and rightfully so, are just so suspicious of anything that's happening in government at the moment with lots of money and institutions. 
you know, we've, we've been through a lot of corruption. So sure, we, we are going to be suspicious. And she is married to Trevor Manuel. And it right. is like a little in a cabal, you, you know, Trevor Manuel and, um, uh, Edward Kiesletter grew up in the same area. Like it all seems a bit kind of, yeah, n- they all had incestuous. dinner together. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit incestuous. And we know they're, they're all friendly. They're all friendly with Tito Mboweni, and he's just made this appointment too, which made him the recipient of some ire as well, right? Exactly. But you know, I, I do see them as very academic and very intellectual. That's the word I'm looking for. They mm. they do come all of them come across as a kind. And I think maybe South Africa is a little bit anti-intellectual at the moment as well. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's been a hangover of the the Zuma regime, without any doubt. There you go. Okay. Um, can we talk quickly about your friend Elon Musk, who just cannot put his phone down long enough to stop getting his companies into trouble? Oh, what is wrong with that boy? <laughs> I mean, I do love him. He's such a little rebel, but he's going to get himself in jail and land himself in some serious trouble. So this time he tweeted again about Tesla making 500,000 cars this year, which is exactly, exactly the same tweet he got into trouble for last year. And the SEC warned him, saying, you know, that they're in discussions with his lawyer at the moment, deciding how much of a fine he's going to get and whether he's, he won't be allowed to tweet in future. And I know, like, it almost seems he's just doing it in jest. But actually, the boy needs to grow up now. He's the CEO of a listed multi-billion dollar company. He, he can't just be going around... Um, what's the word I'm looking for, for giving guidance on listed companies, because that's what he's doing effectively. You know, when a company says we're going to sell X amount of product, as analysts, we can pretty much figure out what their future earnings are going to be and what the company will be worth. And if he keeps doing that, then, well, yeah, he is definitely overstepping boundaries now. It's actually not funny anymore. Can you go to jail for this? Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, manipulating his share prices, all sorts of things. Hmm. All right. Let's, um, yeah, let's, let's leave him because otherwise, you know, we're not going to change his opinion. He's, he's definitely into being loud and difficult and dangerous. So I suppose let's ignore him and move to Jack Ma. Yes, because this is interesting. Um, so he came out a couple of weeks ago, well, last week actually, saying that he endorses extreme overtime. And it's pretty much, he's pretty much referring to the IT sector where programmers work 12 hours a day kind of stuff. And they call it the 996 schedule, which refers to working from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. And he's saying he doesn't see any problem with this. In fact, the only way to get ahead in life is to do that. And, of course, you can imagine because he's Chinese and everyone's going, oh, no, you want to overwork people. And so <laughs> I think this is very interesting. He, you know, he says, he, he says he's not advocating that everybody has to work to those extremes, but he considers the 996 a huge blessing, he says, which you know, is really funny. Um, Sia brought this up for us last week, and, and I can understand why it's controversial because some people believe that, you know, labor rights are a thing and that we're not in the industrial revolution anymore and workers need to be protected and all of this stuff. But honestly, out of all the billionaires in the world, I don't think there's one of them who doesn't put in more than the, the required amount of time. And that's why they're billionaires. 
if you want to be truly successful in this world, it means you have to put in more time than in than is required by your job description. And all Jack Ma is saying is that part of the reason that he's had the success he's had is that he works with people who put in the extra time. That's not controversial. Exactly. Is that really such a controversial thing? No, but they're making it such a controversial thing because he's such an icon. And, and he's saying that the only way to achieve success is to put in this extra time. Well, this and is true of the Chinese people. They've been, exactly. like this, they've been like this since the dawn of time. While we were all fucking around on all fours, they were building the Great Wall of China. I guess the controversial part is, is it the only way to be successful in this society? I, I don't know in that. In this system. I, I don't know that, but I do think that the Chinese have proven in terms of productivity that their growth over the last 60 to 70 years has been unparalleled. There is no other country that can say it has done so much to combat poverty that has lifted so many people out of the working classes into the middle classes. I don't think there's any country that cities have grown as fast, any country that produces more goods or as quickly as the Chinese do. And for those reasons alone, Jack Ma shouldn't be an object of hostility to people. He should be someone that they listen to. If you want to know how to be better, listen to Jack Ma. Uh, you see, but aren't you supposed to give everyone an equal, equal chance and people are supposed to be able to do what they want to sure. and not, not have a, to work 12 hours a, a day? Not in a competitive market, Anthea. If someone else is working twice as hard as you, the chances are they'll pick, on something, pick up on something that you didn't and they'll make the money that you were meant to. So I'm sorry it's not fair, but that's how it works. Nah. Yeah, you're talking to somebody who does work 996. So exactly, there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think it's very funny, actually, I've never, more than anything I've else. never met anyone who is successful in their own right that has done just the minimum, ever. If you're doing just the minimum, if you clock in at work at exactly the right time every day and you clock out exactly the right time every day, forget about being rich, forget about being successful. It's not anybody plotting against you. It's not the economy or the environment or your daddy or your mommy or that your boss hates you or anything else. It's that you're lazy. If you do more than that, when it is required especially, you'll be successful. And isn't it that everyone has their own goals? So not everybody wants to build an Alibaba. No. <laughs> So the ones who want to, let them, and the ones who don't want to, that's fine. Work your eight hours a day, five days a week, and get on with it, and, and kind of be happy where you are, yep. are, is the other point. right? And, and you know, Jack Ma says, if you like what you do, then it won't be a problem. If you don't like it, as he says, every minute is torture. So there you go. There we go. Find something you love. All right. Thank you so much, Anthea. Pleasure. I'll see you next week then. Thank you. There's Anthea Gardner with a look at the money shot. This is CliffCentral.com.